Welcome to Seeds of Awakening. Welcome to Seeds of Awakening. My my name is your host, Forrest Daniel Dwyer, and I'm alongside Kimberly Jacobson. Yes. Nailed it. <laughs> so this week, I sat down with John DeCat because Forrest was gallivanting through Italy. This is true. I spent my last week in Italy. It was fantastic. Um, but I did miss my one opportunity to meet John DeCat. That's it. You never, you'll never be able to meet him ever again. I doubt it. <laughs> So I sat down with John DeCat and I d- it was just it was a really fun conversation for me because we just got to geek out about the the combination of music and sound healing and energy and vibration. So it was just it's great. John DeCat is an internationally acclaimed percussionist, poet and storyteller. He plays ethnic percussion instruments from across the globe and has a passion for spoken word, whether it's poetry, song, rap, or storytelling. And he has he has several albums out there where kind of one of his primary instruments that he's known for is the hung drum, which is this really incredible, like ethereal sounding, um, like percussive instrument. And it's just beautiful. Like, it's absolutely beautiful to practice yoga to, to meditate to, or, like, to put on first thing in the morning and um, start your day with that. He also is a really, like, interesting storyteller. Mm -hmm. And so we have a conversation about stories and, I guess, how they've been passed down through, through the centuries and how he's keeping that tradition going, in a sense, and also you know, weaving it into music. Yeah. I wasn't there, but I just edited this whole episode <laughs> and listened to it. And um, it's awesome. I'm, I think you guys will really, really enjoy it. He's fascinating. He is, um, I, I love listening and talking about storytelling and energy. And so hope you guys enjoy John DeCat, uh, really amazing musician, storyteller. Uh, you can find him on Spotify and, and all over. He also does, uh, he mentions it at the end, but he does, some really cool retreats mm. that might be worth checking out that he yep. par- partners with um, shamans and different musicians and dancers. So yeah, worth checking out for sure. Uh, amazing guy. And I think you guys will really enjoy it. Enjoy. And of course, thanks to Malachi for the song, The Woods. Thanks for chatting with me. My pleasure to be here. Thanks for asking me to be on your podcast. <laughs> so, according to your, you know, your bio and your years of experience and my interpretation of you, you are a musician, an Ayurvedic practitioner, um, an acupuncturist for over fifteen years. Yeah, like practicing. Practice for yeah. And a percussionist, storyteller, poet, sometimes spoken word rapper. Um, and then you're also a, a member of the Hanuman, which I love that play on words. Mm. Um, so just curious of all of those descriptions and titles, what of those things do you resonate most with right now? I've, I was 
sort of initially drawn towards music and poetry in college and um and then I left co- I'm going to give you a long answer. Perfect. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I left college early to uh much to my father's chagrin after three and a half years um because I felt like college was not it was missing something something essential. Like there was some aspect of all this learning that was missing some central point, some pivotal aspect of our connection to the earth and connection to the cosmos and I was just disillusioned with college even though it was a really Mm. cool school very liberal school studying stuff I was interested in like anthropology I left after three and a half years without a degree to go play drums and look for communities to live in that were living closer to the earth so I think that was my first impulse was to and I was also writing poetry then so um, my first impulse was not uh, energy medicine or healing, but it was more mm-hmm. poetry and music. So I think that's more um, core to some of the passion that um, ignites interest in me. But I think, um, and then I lived in an ashram for five years yeah. and it was wonderful. It changed my life. Like I came across yoga in my early 20s and it was like, wow, there's, you know, this is some of that other dimension that college wasn't approaching. Yeah. And, um, and through my contact with that ashram, um, got interested in Ayurveda and energy medicine and continued doing a lot of music, but it was definitely, so when I left there, I went, figured, well, I'll practically figure out how to survive in the world by doing acupuncture and energy medicine and mm-hmm. keep doing my music and poetry stuff on the side. So I did that, and I did that for 15 years, which I loved. I mean, energy medicine is amazing, and Chinese medicine and Ayurvedic medicine have so much to offer. You know, there's a place for Western allopathic medicine also, I believe, Um, and emergency care and some other aspects. But so much of energy medicine and Chinese medicine, Ayurvedic medicine, have so much to offer us here in the West, especially, um, but anybody from any culture, really. So um, I did that intensively for 15 years while still doing some music and writing and things. And then... um, about six, seven years ago, I just jumped off into doing music full-time, more full-time, because mm. I realized I was doing both of them, but my passion was really with music mm-hmm. and writing and things like that, and so I felt like I was doing both of them half-baked, <laughs> because I wasn't doing one of them more, f- so um, that felt good. So yeah. yeah, it feels good to be more in alignment with m- some of my core passion, but it takes a lot of self-discipline to be self-employed, you know. <laughs> I'm learning, you know, yeah, you can follow your passion. Yeah, I'm following my passion, dude. But yeah, yeah <laughs> that's all great and dandy, <laughs> but when, you know, it, it also requires a lot of discipline. So that's something I'm learning how to develop that self-discipline, that self-drive to do things because there's not a boss looking over at you going, okay. You have to do this by this day. You have to do this by yeah. this time. So... In college, mentioning you just had the feeling that there was something more or that there was something that wasn't being offered. Now, I know a lot of people going through like go through the entire life process and may be a little unhappy, but not even know that there could be something more or there could be a different avenue to take. So what do you feel like planted that seed that actually gave you enough confidence in knowing that there was more to go and find it or go and do it? Hmm. That's an interesting question. Uh, I don't know exactly. I mean, one answer I could give is when I was 17, my mom brought me to Esalen, mm, yeah. 16 or 17. And That's I remember, incredible. Yeah, no, it was, it was, <laughs> I was like 16, this little white boy growing up in Connecticut, and she's like, takes me to Esalen. It was on the 4th of July, 
and Baba Latunji and his group are drumming these African drums and everybody's running around naked eating vegetarian food. I was like, oh my Ooh. God, there's like a whole nother <laughs> world. It like kind of put me on tilt. Yeah. So I went back to col high school that year and the following year I said, mom, I want to go to Esalen for a couple months. And she was like, okay, that's cool. I was like, really? So I went and did a work exchange there between my junior and senior year in high school. And that so sort of changed cool. changed my life for sure because, you know, I remember getting into Tai Chi and, you know, just a lot of very conscious people doing, um, focused on healing. And it was just a very sort of counterculture experience, which kind of opened my eyes to, wow, I don't have to necessarily, you know, do the thing that everybody else is doing. Mm -hmm. So... I ended up going off to college, but that was always in the back of my mind. And the college I went to was very cool, progressive, liberal arts school, which I loved, very liberal. And But there was still like, there was something that, the experience at Esalen had started something which I think needed to be pursued, explored, yeah. you know. So that was part of it. And I think part of it was just, uh, I, just an intuition, you know, just feeling like... Uh, I mean, I think our culture is very, in a very challenging place right now. You know, people are very, there's highest rate of suicide of any other mm -hmm. culture per capita, highest murder rate per capita, highest antidepressants, people using drugs and Oxycontin. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's very, we're in a very sad place. I don't want to be too depressing here, but I feel like we're so divorced from our, from the natural world and we're so divorced from each other and community that it creates a real dis ease even if it doesn't create disease right away it mm -hmm. creates a dis-ease and that's one of the reasons yoga and all these um, mystical traditions from around the world not only yoga but buddhism and sufism and things like that are becoming so popular in our culture because they offer us a medium for coming together a medium for experiencing community a meeting medium for tapping into something in ourselves that's beneath the story of ourselves mm -hmm. that our mind creates, you know, mm -hmm. um, because we're not our story. We're not, we're much more than our story. Right. <clears throat> so it offers that window for us in this culture. And I think that's one of the reasons people are so thirsty for it, you know, the mm -hmm. connection to, to the rhythms, the slower rhythms, the slower pace, stepping out of moving in the direction of stepping away from the busy mind towards an experience of prana, towards an experience of embodiment. Anyway, I'm rambling, but, you know. <laughs> so, it's an interesting point, too, of, of the, the societal feelings and the societal experiences that we have so much of right now. Like, there's so much fear, and there's so much, there's a lot of hate, right? And mm. there's a lot of, like, not really knowing how to then cope with whatever we're feeling. Mm. And I think, you know, you mentioned you know, at Esalen being surrounded by like African drums. And mm. when I think historically, you know, a lot of cultures were like th moved through those emotions and moved through some of those denser feelings through music and sound mm. and sounding and then expressing it into a creative form mm. rather than a destructive form. So what is, what was the mission in deciding to dive into music? and and percussion and all of that in a more full-time way 
You know, I don't know if when I made that decision, I didn't know what the mission was, <laughs> but I, I just remember I was really I was I loved playing soccer. I played a lot of soccer at college, and I remember telling my soccer coach, "I'm leaving, and I'm going to go study drumming in New York City." And he was like, "You're what?" <laughs> you know, and I was like, "I love soccer. Like that was a lot. That was the most bumming thing for me about leaving college was leaving the soccer team." So um, I don't know what that that uh, you know how that passion pushed me to do that but it did and then I, I totally hear what you're saying like you know in Africa um, one of my teachers years ago Maladomo Somme shared with us a grief ritual you know in reference to what you were saying where you know the using music to move through grief or to muse through di move through difficult states of, of emotion or you know they have a when people die in Africa they'll bring the body out into the middle of the village and people will cry and scream and weep for like three days mm -hmm. And they'll play drums and they'll do this whole grief ritual where people come close to the drummers and they cry and scream and then they circle around away from the drummers and they contain themselves and then they get closer to the drummers again and they start crying. So it's this whole vehicle for using rhythm and sound and music to release those emotions. And, um, you know, I think of our cultures when in funerals when people are, you know, wiping their tears and trying not to even cry at the funeral, you know. And... Um, so yeah, music can be incredibly healing, you know, music, I mean, the whole, the whole universe is vibration, mm -hmm. right? You could say energy medicine, Ayurvedic medicine tells us to some extent, Chinese medicine, that the whole universe and even modern physics is vibration. It's all vibrating at different frequencies, like the Saturn vibrates at a different frequency than the grass in the, your neighbor's yard, you know, everything, <laughs> but everything, all matter is ultimately vibration. Yeah. And all vibration gives off sound. So in a sense, the universe is a great song being sung. Mm -hmm. It's a great poem being spoken. And I feel like music is a movement towards attuning ourselves towards that poem, towards that song. Mm -hmm. And our body can become an instrument too, whether we're singing or even if we're playing it and an instrument that's external to our body we join the momentum of that vibration of the cosmos of the universe and that's healing mm -hmm. you know that connects us beneath the level of the mind that's why we love music so much you know it it uh it connects us at the level of impulse yeah and um you know there's many times i'll have a headache or i'll be exhausted or i'll be so stressed out or f some sadness and I'll go to do a concert or I'll go to play play with friends or something and the m energy the music completely transforms that experience of whatever it is I mean I can be sick nauseous headachey you know exhaust and like after a concert I'm like it just is like a recharge so mm. um you know there's so many examples of sound healing this day and age and mm -hmm. and testimonies to that and so a lot a lot of your music and some of what you're putting out has the, the storytelling component mm. to it so how did that how did that start I mean I know you, you were saying like you always wrote poetry but then how did it begin where you're like I'm I'm actually gonna record this and like oh, create a funny. whole whole piece yeah I lived in San Francisco for a while and I was part of an African drum troupe and I remember I'd been written poetry for years and we were doing an African drum performance and I remember I had written this poem about rhythm. This rhythm is not mine. 
And I was like, I remember, I said, hey guys, can I share this poem during this one piece where we're mm-hmm. drumming or something? I forget whether it was me solo drumming or other people were, were all together. And they were like, yeah, yeah, you know, it was San Francisco and all my good buddies. And they were like, yeah, it's cool, yeah. You know, they were very open to it, you know. And so I did that. It was, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I like, it was like, oh, that was kind of fun. I like that. And they really liked it. And I, you know, so that was kind of the first place it came together. That was like <laughs> 96 or 95 and 95 and in San Fran. And I, that African drum troupe was a beautiful troupe. We traveled uh, to Africa together and studied there. And, um, but yeah, that's the first place that it came together. And then my first CD was a drum poetry CD. You know, I had come across David White and some other great poets and Robert Bly and stuff. I forget when I first came across Robert, but... And Michael Mead, you know, at a men's men's workshop up in uh, the Redwoods in California. Michael Mead was drumming and telling stories. So I was sort of curious about story and poetry with music. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of just percolating. It wasn't, you know. So I didn't do anything for a while with it. And then in 2005, I just decided, I don't know where. I just said, do a drum poetry CD. <laughs> I don't know. So I just um, wedded some of my poetry to percussion and instrumental stuff and some melodic stuff so it was Mm. kind of a fun experiment and it was a huge learning curve that cd it took me like three years to make it because i'm actually not that picky and uh in some ways focused but some for some reason when i get around music i get completely (laughs) like no this is not good enough so i kept redoing it and redoing it but in that process you know of listening back to yourself you learn so much. I learned a lot about, I mean, I'm sure you've learned stuff in this podcast as you listen to yourself, yeah. ask questions or as you share your own, yep. you listen back, you know, you learn so much in that hearing our voice and the way we mm-hmm. communicate, especially with poetry. So that was a, that first CD was a big learning for me, how to, you know, good ways to wed music. Cause it's so easy to speak too fast, you know, cause our yep. minds are going so fast and our culture is going so fast. And I realized over time, you know, just, that if you take the time to speak in a slower way, it lands for people in a, in a it can land for people in a more, um, in their body more, as opposed to, you know, talking yeah. to something other than their, their mind. So anyway, what was your question? <laughs> <laughs> this is perfect. Um, yeah. How, how the storytelling component came to be and, and also, Oh, the storytelling. What you also, I'm curious, like, what do you think of its relevance going forward? Because for thousands of years, that's the way Mm. that cultures pass down tradition and stories of ancestors and stories of culture and community. And, you know, as times develop, great, now we have pen to paper and now we have, you know, a keyboard. But, like, for so long, it was through storytelling and also in like in a musical way. Hmm. So what do you think the relevance of that is now in the in the age that we're in? Yeah. Well, that's a great question. Um, you're a really good interviewer. <laughs> <laughs> you are. Sure. I'm I'm just curious. <laughs> no, it's you know, I mean, like you said, uh storytelling really was the first Google, it was the first library, it was the first Broadway, it was the first Bollywood it was the first way to pass information from generation to generation. But not only that, 
It was the first way to create ethos for a culture. Mm. Because a lot of the indigenous cultures would live by some of the principles in some of the stories that mm -hmm. they shared. <clears throat> so storytelling can be highly entertaining, community building in a different way than movies. You know, it's much more of an intimate experience. And it also can be a way of communicating principles and ethos and morals. What's that word? Moral? Morals? Morals. morals. There's another word to morals. Like values? Values, morals that a culture lives by. You know, mm, I had the... Well, first let me say, so I think... Storytelling is a very different experience for the listener as opposed to, you know, in this day and age, we often watch movies and we have, we're bombarded by images, which is a different effect on the brain than when we are creating those images, <coughs> excuse me, creating those images on our own. When we're hearing words and our mind is conjuring up the images, it's a different effect on the brain than being mm -hmm. offered the images on a screen. Plus, uh, watching a movie is almost a very solitary experience. It's a very individualized experience where community storytelling is more of a community experience. You know, where people are la people. You know, there's just a little more interaction. So, mm -hmm. I find that um, uh, storytelling. The storytelling I do is is the aim of it really is more towards ritual mm. and not just story for entertainment, but it's more towards ritual because there's so many great wisdom stories. There's so many great wisdom stories that possess these these values and these teachings of how we can navigate this world, uh, you know, in more skillful means, being human and what and the suffering that. Um, can come with being human and how to navigate that suffering in a way that can lead to healing and opening and awakening as opposed to contraction and mm -hmm. shutdown and, and more pain. And so stories carry, you know, this wisdom and they carry this experience of um, being connected to other ones who are listening. So it's, 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 I found as I traveled, I enjoy telling stories for, um, for adults much more than I do for kids. Mm. You know, I love telling stories, but to get a group of adults to feel like they're little kids again right. is really cool. Right. Um, and to speak to, uh, um, you know, we all, uh, I mean, as a culture, I think we're addicted to stories. I think we're addicted to our own story of our own life. Like, oh, I did this, and I did mm -hmm. this, and this was so great, and that worked out so good. Or the opposite, oh my God, I'm such a jerk, I'm so horrible, this happened and this happened. And we almost have these two pendulums that we swing from, like, oh, I'm so great, oh, I'm so horrible. And, and all the stories associated with that. And we're all become addicted to our own story. Mm -hmm. We're all, I mean, I know I'm sick of my own story. And I think mm -hmm. probably we all are sick <laughs> of our own story. So, but but we're, there's an addiction there to our story and the yeah. storyline. And then we're also kind of the story of other people. Oh, what happened to them? They're, oh, did they break up? They go, oh, what happened? Why'd they break up? Oh, you yeah. know, the story of others. Like, what happened to them? You know, all those stories. Yeah. Then there's the stories of social media and the, you know, the Instagram and the Facebook, all those stories. And then there's the news and the media. And then there's all these new TV shows. Then there's movies. And it's like just endless story, 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 story. Mm -hmm. Which is fine. There's nothing wrong with story, but... 
the wisdom stories that come from indigenous cultures are uh, really not about the story itself. So they're stories that teach us how to go beyond story, the chatter of the mind. It teaches us how to enter the domain of the heart, I think. Mm-hmm. It's like another vehicle for entering. Just like meditation can be a domain, for en- a vehicle for entering the domain of the heart or um, service. Mm-hmm. Karma yoga can be a domain, a vehicle for entering the domain of the heart or or Raja Yoga, the study of scripture, can mm. be a way of, uh, or celebration, dance, bhakti, mm-hmm. ritual, chanting can be a way to enter the heart. So can story. Stories like, in a way, it's like a type of yana yoga, studying and listening to these ancient teachings from various cultures. So I'm going to keep rambling here for a minute, but Great. in Ayurvedic <laughs> medicine and in Chinese medicine, they say the heart is actually the true organ of perception Mm -hmm. and the mind is Mm -hmm. secondary. But what's happened for most of us is we have our mind be the primary organ of perception and our heart is more dormant. Mm -hmm. So you could argue that the whole process of awakening is remembering more of who we are, is making our heart be more the primary organ of perception. And a lot of the stories the ancient wisdom stories do teach about that process of usurping the mind with the heart and Mm -hmm. you know it's often the divine feminine that's leading the way right you know teaching the fumbling male (laughs) (laughs) how to enter the domain of the heart but really it's about the masculine and feminine within us right but (coughs) also about external to some extent too sometimes but um so story can be useful in that teaching ways that we can make our heart more the primary organ of perception yeah and and that's interesting because i do like you were saying we get really attached to our own stories and then we really get attached to other people's stories and they get attached to our story which is then when you we try to evolve as human beings you know when people have seen you in one story for so long it makes it really hard to change the script but it's it's interesting when you talk about storytelling in that way because when you are on the listening end of the story, you are automatically put in a space where you're more receptive. Mm. Because just being told, I'm going to tell you a story, you're, instead of your mind being prepared to like judge or look for, maybe look for... Uh, any wrongs or any you know any anything you don't agree with it's like the heart is more receptive to imagining and being Mm. creative with it Mm. so i think that's a really that's a really interesting way and i haven't really thought of stories in that way before or Mm. storytelling in that way Mm. but it is a lot different like watching a movie opposed to reading a book it's a very different processing place Mm. Hmm. it's it's interesting because the mamos who are a group of shamans from northern Colombia. They live in this high Sierra Mountains of northern Colombia. Mm-hmm. And they've been relatively untouched by colonialism. So they've retained a lot of their traditions. Mm-hmm. And um Is it the Mamos? Mamos. Mamos. Actually I, I, I the Mamos I think the Mamos are the names of the shamans and the people are called something else. I'm not sure. But the process of becoming a shaman in that culture is when you're born, if the shamans that already are alive say this next child will be another shaman they take that child right when they're born and they bring them into a cave and they're in that cave for the first nine years of their life 
they stay in the dark cave where there's just enough light so they don't go blind and their mm -hmm. mother comes in and breastfeeds and the shamans are there so they remain uh, in between the worlds interesting they remain very in touch with spirit and they're gradually over a period of nine years coming into this world and yeah amazing right to live in a cave for the first nine years of That's your life wild and um I remember when I was growing up looking at my parents and thinking they, when I was really little, I remember thinking they've forgotten something, some connection to something that I can still feel. Mm. But I could tell I was going to lose my connection just the way they had. Like, mm -hmm. So imagine being raised in a culture where everybody around you is focused on you retaining that connection Wild. the source for the first nine years of your life. So the shamans that come out of the cave are quite remarkable. I mean, everybody's a shaman these days, right? Oh, I got yeah. a job on Amazon. I'm a shaman. <laughs> but these guys <laughs> are, are real shamans. These guys are real shamans. So Yeah. And um, when I saw them speak, they came to where I live in the Berkshires uh, in Western Mass to speak because they're coming down from the mountain now because they feel like it's we're at a turning point in human mm -hmm. history where, you know, we have to very little time left to make some of the possible changes that mm -hmm. need to be made and they want to share their wisdom with people and one of the mamos all he talked about was story he talked about stories of spiders and how it was all about like he just told a spider story he never said anything other than stories like he told a story about taking care of the earth like these i forget the story now it was very short and this other sh sh spider story that was all about not being greedy and sharing and like mm. I realized these were like the little stories that these people live by on top of these mountains at like 13,000 feet like mm. they live you know by these little stories and he was sharing them with such sincerity and such like importance mm. you know and they were the simplest sweetest stories and much like us we live by the American dream right it's kind of the story that's not really accurate we all know tons of people who have tons of shit and are miserable mm -hmm. so it's a story that's broken right the american dream is a story that's incomplete you know there's nothing wrong with wanting to get things but to to have a story tell us that once you get things you're going to be happy right that's incorrect right so it's like a story that's like a story that ends at the third chakra yeah it doesn't talk about the heart or the upper chakras or the you know so it's very um like this story that the shaman was telling was all about the spider sharing and not being greedy that's a story that takes us at least to the heart mm -hmm. you know and the culture is living by that our story lives by a culture that takes us to the third chakra right so you know to have a complete story that <coughs> shares the f true human, full human potential for a culture to live by a story that imparts the full human potential mm -hmm. beyond just what I want and what I need. You know, that's the story that we need. Those are the stories we need in the world now. Yeah. So this, it could be a kind of a, for some maybe a controversial, I don't know, thought, but do you feel like the role of a storyteller is similar to role of like preacher or pastor? Whereas they're, you know, 
someone who's taking these ancient teachings and then trying to trying to offer them up in a way that tries to connect people to the heart. I mean, for sure, in various cultures, for eons, the storytellers have been trying to remember the name in Africa. They play the uh, the balafon and they play the kora, mm. the griots, and they go around and tell stories, you know. Mm. And um, yeah, they hold the history of the culture. They hold a lot of the wisdom of the culture. So certainly, the, the storytellers could be. Um, seen as, I suppose, spiritual advisors, mm-hmm. shamans. You certainly don't have to be a spiritual advisor or a shaman to be a storyteller. Right. But many times throughout human history, I think they've intersected. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and of course, you know, when I'm, even just as I'm saying the words preacher or pastor, I'm imagining even like, hundreds of years ago when I just imagine like the you know a, a a preacher in a small town standing up on a rock you know and just like sharing the message so even it's it's an interesting thing to like kind of to put that mm. together in what in what it is now yeah, yeah yeah but in regards in regards to music what you I mean you just have like a huge variety of of instruments that you have acquired in that, like a percussion driven for the most part. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. And so what is it? You, you use the hung drum a lot. So what is it? Um, what are you most connected to that you feel? <clears throat> I don't know. You know, I, I, my, <laughs> my albums are so different. I have <laughs> one that's just a poetry CD where it's spoken poetry with instrumental. And then I have two instrumental CDs and then I have, kind of this weird rap CD. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I have a bunch of different stuff. Uh, right now I'm working on a hung, instrumental hung album, cool. which I'm excited about. It's I, I've recorded some um, artists in India that are going to be on it, and um, I think it'll be a... I'm, I'm excited about it, working on it a lot these days. And when I finish that, I'm, I think I'm going to do another poetry CD. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, and then maybe another CD with my friend Benji Wertheimer. We did a CD yeah. called One River, but we're going to maybe do One River Two. So two rivers. Two rivers. <laughs> <laughs> Where two rivers meet. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think right now the hung is kind of a, a fun instrument for me to be playing with. It's kind of percussion, kind of melodic. Yeah. It's celestial. Yeah. It's pretty... But I like mixing it with other instruments too, other percussive aspects or sometimes vocal sounding and things like that. Yeah. No, I, I mean, most everything being like percussion driven, it tends, you know, percussion I always associate with very like grounding root chakra, like connection to mm. earth. Is that intentional or does it just unfold that way? I think it just unfolded that way. I don't know. And when I started drumming, I wasn't like... Started when I was young, must connect I, to my root chakra. Must connect to my <laughs> mommy. I want to connect to my root chakra. I feel a little vacant there. No, I don't know. It just spoke to me. You know, it's kind of yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's you feel like there's there's intention because I said you said yourself going through 
going through high school and then college feeling like there was a lack of connection to the earth mm. so do you feel like I, and i don't want to like i don't want to feed but do you feel like that's part of your intention through music is to like connect and ground people more i think you know i think what it is i mean it's an interesting question i was just talking to somebody the other day about it but like i do not like classical music I don't like Western classical music. And I, I don't love it. You know, I don't love it either. Like there's no it's root in it. I find no root. It's very vata. You know, in Ayurvedic, <laughs> in Ayurvedic um, terminology, there's vata, pitta, kapha. Kapha is like earth mm. and water and pitta is like fire and water and vata is like air and ether. And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, I think, I think that rooting was important to me. Like, um, I don't like jazz that much. <laughs> jazz is often very floaty and it so floaty. You know, like I I, n- I like that stuff, that, you know, that has the root. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I guess that's uh, you know, we live in such a vata culture. Mm-hmm. We're all staring at screens all the time and yep. driving everywhere. At least I am, you know, and like it's. Uh, so I think probably I've found it to be a bit of an antidote, maybe, yeah, to the world in which we find ourselves in this time, in this, this world, era, you know, wild world. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's an interesting era to be al- be alive. Yeah, um, you know, the Chinese proverb says it's a curse to be born in an interesting time, mm-hmm. because you're s- there's so much interest, you get so drawn outside of yourself. Mm-hmm. When everything we really need ultimately right is inside here. us, right here in this moment. We just, you know, nothing, the phones are a perfect example of that. Like the phone is freaking interesting. Yeah. It's a lot of interesting There's stuff so on that. You just inter- keep, <laughs> you could listen to this and then you could listen to a podcast. I know. You could listen to this and that and this and watch, you could watch this. And I mean, it's like having a TV with you all the I time. Know. It's like literally carrying a TV. I don't have a TV in my house, but I have a TV on me all the time. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, so it's a curse to be born in an interesting time because we we get so drawn outside of ourselves, you know, mm-hmm. so all of these things, yoga, meditation, storytelling, music are all ways of coming home, maybe yeah. calming the vata. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't, I don't want to keep you for too long, but I know you do, um, you just, there's so much that you have going on and I know you've done some travels and led some retreats in Bali and some other India. places india um peru. peru so is there anything anything like that coming up anything there is actually there's a retreat well, it's our fifth annual retreat oh i'm leading with my dear friend katie o'connell doing a ayurvedic medicine panchakarma in india okay. in south india it's from february 14th it starts on valentine's day cool. goes to like march 6th this year ne- you know next year 2020 but it's at this beautiful place in the mountains of southern india it's a uh, 6,000 feet, so it's cool at night and warm during the day. There's no bugs. It's clean air. Mm. Um, it's really beautiful, and it's Panchakarma is... Yeah, I was just going to say, could you like just briefly explain yeah, a little well, more I, what Panchakarma well, is? Ayurvedic medicine, Panchakarma is basically going for a minimum of three weeks and getting treatment specific to your constitution. So basically helping to balance the elements. Our body's built of the five elements, earth, mm-hmm. water, fire, air, and ether. And those elements get out of balance from trauma, from stress, from anxiety, from improper diet, from so many different things. So Mm -hmm. (coughs) the three-week panchakarma or more is oriented towards balancing these doshas through diet, through herbs, through various types of treatments and massages and yoga and Mm -hmm. pranayama and 
Um, and on our three-week Panchakarma, we also do music. We do storytelling. Katie mm. teaches beautiful yoga. Um, so it's really powerful. It's it's uh, deeply cleansing emotionally, physically, um, mentally. It's like just getting a huge tune-up. That's and it's great. a really chance. We talk about pacifying the vata, but this is the most profound way to do it that I know. One of the most profound ways, just mm -hmm. to take time for ourselves to slow down. It's a really, it's a powerful medicine for treating specific conditions, whether it's hypertension, stress, anxiety, obesity, irregular menstruation, IBS, what yeah. have you, headaches, migraines, or and also it's it's um there was something else I was gonna say. A powerful modality for um just recalibrating our entire system to slow down. Mm. You know, yeah, we can go do an acupuncture treatment or we can go catch a yoga class or we can go but to do three weeks where there's a wonderful doctor who's just recommending specific treatments and the types of massage that are good for your physical mm. condition and emotional condition. And it's it's really profound. There's nothing like it. It's steeped in nature, and, and we all sing and play music together. And So that's, if you go to, we have a specific, uh, we've done this so many years now, we've created a website just for this retreat. It's okay. called AyurvedaIndiaRetreat.com. Okay. AyurvedaIndiaRetreat.com. And, uh, yeah, and I'm also leading a retreat in Bali with Malaika, who's a little oh, shaman. Love She's Malaika. A, you know Malaika? <laughs> I don't know Malaika, yeah. but I just, uh, I'm familiar with yeah, some yeah, of her yeah. work in yeah, offerings. Yeah, she's wonderful. Very embodied teacher who uses the medium of dance to end mm -hmm. a lot of little rituals and ceremonies and, and many, many tools that are in her magical basket <laughs> to um, bring people together in a really beautiful way. So we lead a workshop together that's based on um, dance, storytelling silence and um it's the s's wait story silence um dance and there's another s in there I'm forgetting. Mm. Uh, but it's based on all of these things and we come together in the north coast of bali and basically wake up and do yoga and then we'll do dance and then we in the evenings we do story and we do some ceremony and it's amazing food and we swim in the ocean and after a week of this it's a powerful heart opening experience for people and people go through deep like deep trauma and stuff will come up for people and and we really hold space for that as well like yeah. because you know we've we've become so divorced from this type of communal expression that sometimes it really brings up a lot of emotions in people when we start to experience that you know yeah whether it's caused by past trauma or just a longing for that type of connection more with others yeah so we create a lot of space for that healing too. So it's it's a beautiful retreat. That's, That's happening beginning of April, I think. Okay. Mid April ish. Um what's her website? If you go to Malaika's website, it's called Rise. If you look up uh her retreat is what's five elements uh in in my I'll, I'll in your elements? In my elements in my elements dot com. Yeah. Yes, that's it. You got yeah. it. Yeah. I you actually because I Malaika was looking retreat. into a uh what a retreat. Back in like January. Yeah. And it's so that, yeah. Yeah. In some information, it just it. sticks up there. Well, you're <laughs> younger than me, so you, <coughs> your brain is in better shape. <laughs> you remember that stuff. <laughs> uh, well, it is so, before, as we close, there's 
kind of three questions that we just like to throw in there for fun. But before we, we get there, is there anything else that you want to share, whether it's musically, Ayurvedically? I don't think so. I really appreciate you asking me to do this podcast. I've never done a podcast. The first so time much I've fun. I've never done a podcast. Yeah, it is kind of fun. It I is feel fun. like all fancy with our earphones. <laughs> and our I know the headphones are really, they're, they're a lot. <laughs> headphone mics. No, they're cool. Um, so there's sh- three short, like half a second, you know, don't give it more than half a second of thought questions that we have. Um, I say we, second. but Forrest isn't here. But um, so first question or first seed is if you had a, uh, we were saying a billboard that the entire world could see, but you know, since we're in the digital age, we'll say like, if you could send a text message to every single person in the world, what would it say? Mm. Ah. I know. It's a, this one is, the, it gets you. A text message to everybody in the world. I would say impeach Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Peace Trump now. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah, that's the first thing that came to mind. That's perfect. I'll, I'll take it. But I'll Trump is, it. you know, <clears throat> Trump is the, not to get too political here, but Trump is like, he's like the tip of the iceberg. There's a whole host mm. of corruption. I mean, to have somebody like that be elected there has to be a host of massive amount of corruption going on. Like yeah. nobody like that could be elected without that happening. So it's just a, also an unfortunate example that we set for like behavior for yeah. all, you know, everyone no, growing up like, yes, you can behave that way and yeah, still be yeah, the president. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's the epitome of narcissism and the epitome of, um, selfishness. It's really, it's, 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 it's a case study to watch. Oof. Um, and tragic, tragic. Yeah. So, um, so that's a good one. <laughs> it's not that good, but we'll, we'll stick with it for now. <laughs> um, so second, second question, just one, if you could suggest to everyone, one simple daily practice mm. to just feel a little more balanced or, you know, mm. what would you recommend? Meditating for 11 minutes a day. Okay. Just keep 11. 11 is a good number. Yeah. One, one. And just sit and feel. Feel your body as hard as it is sometimes to feel into really being embodied, really being here, really being in this world where we believe so fully we're separate. Like, what does that feel like? Mm-hmm. Having the courage to feel it. Because I think in, it keeps our feeling sense alive. It's so easy to numb ourselves. And just to practice breathing for 11, make that commitment for 11 minutes a day to feel, you know, and to breathe and to follow your breath and to feel the sensations in your body, no matter how blissful or how painful mm-hmm. it is to open that doorway of, of, of feeling. And, uh, and maybe that'll grow. Um, yeah, that's what comes to mind. 11 minutes, perfect. Last question. And I might adapt this one a little bit just because it's you. Normally we ask a go-to book that mm. you give as a gift, but it could also be a piece of music or an album. 
that you'd give as a gift? Hmm. And I'm guessing it won't be cl a classical piece of music. <laughs> no. No, that's a good question. Um, I think I, just for some reason, the, rag the, the poetry of Rumi, mm. you know, I think um, it's really, especially Coleman Barks' translations. Okay. He has many books out there, but I feel like, uh, you know, Rumi talks to and from a place of spirit, like very few poets. And I think it's an easy way for people to walk into that doorway from any culture, from any race, or from any... Um, uh, you know, religion or spiritual practice. It's a cool, cool doorway. Perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you, Kim. I'm sorry thank to you get so a much. chance to meet Forrest, but I hope I get you a will chance at to some meet point. another time. Yeah, thank you. And just quickly, where can people find you? Website, uh, anything? or They can email me at johndecott at gmail. Perfect. It's uh, J-O-H-N-D-E-K-A-D as in David, T as in Tom. Perfect. Awesome. Thank, Thank you so you much. Thank you so much.